Welcome to Ink Drinkers, a literary tea party podcast where we discuss books and drink tea. Greetings and salutations. Hi. (laughs) Fine then, don't Uh, play along. Sorry. (laughs) It's cool, I'm good. What's up? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, we're here to talk about books, guys. Yeah. So what was wrong with my greetings and salutations? Nothing. Okay. Fine. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> I liked it. I just didn't really know how to follow. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah. What's, uh, what's happening? <sighs> I mean, you know, it's um, it's a Sunday here. It is a Sunday. Um, it's getting pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in pretty. Baton Rouge. I don't know if y'all have noticed if you were from here how miserably hot it was <laughs> this weekend. Pretty much every day, I look at some sort of weather app or something. It's like heat advisory, heat advisory. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty hot out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot. We're a lively bunch today. I know. I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I am excited about my book, though. I don't know how I feel about my book. Is that weird? No. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is what it is. Well, since you're so excited about yours, (laughs) why don't you tell me about it? Sure. Um, It is called Emma in the Night by Wendy Walker. Um, I think his came out like, I don't know, years ago. Okay. It's not a new release. Backlist. Um, yeah, I was trying to find something that would interest me that was a little different than my normal reads and I do what I generally do. I search Julia Whalen. I mean, that's a good, that, that's a, a good, uh, yeah. strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So she's one of the narrators. <laughs> um, so this is basically a psychological thriller. Love it, love yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it gave Gone Girl feels, okay, but not as good as Gone Girl, okay, in my opinion. Um, but it is about two missing sisters, the Tanner sisters, um, Cassandra, Cass, and Emma. So Cassandra is fifteen at the time of their disappearance, and Emma is seventeen. So they um, grew up in a pretty unconventional, dysfunctional family situation. Um, Their mother and father should not have really been together. Like backstory, the dad was married. He had a family. He came from money. He had a small child, like a son with his first wife. And um, their mother ends up being hired as like his secretary or something and he fools around with her and his wife finds out and they get divorced and he marries her and they have Cass and Emma. And um, he starts to see very quickly that she's not maternal in any way and that Uh he is the only parent really taking care of the girls. Um, 
And so there's definitely a lot of mental illness type um, themes in the book. Pretty much she has narcissistic personality disorder. And there's, they, Wendy Walker, the author, really goes into that and like what, like what those themes are. So the things that the mother does to the girls over periods of time, like their whole life. Oh, and, and basically saying that all of that is learned. So more than likely, she also had a narcissistic parent. And, and these girls will more than likely turn out. That's part of the, the book. Like, will they or won't they situation? Like, you know, is it so ingrained and by a certain age, like they discuss all this scientific like Ooh. data, like by a certain age, um, I think it's three. If you haven't been, well, okay, wait. They talk about, you know, like sociopaths and like kids that aren't touched or loved when they're babies. Right. And how that can aid in that disorder, that situation happening. Um, but then they talk about narcissistic personality disorder and how the narcissistic p- parent will give love and then take it away. Yeah. And so that it's a different way of that disorder forming because you don't know, the child doesn't know if they're going to get love or not get love and then they crave it. But the parent is basically punishing them for anything that comes up. Like if they weren't told they were pretty that day or like, you know, it's like so many crazy stuff. So anyway, so basically the parents are getting divorced because she finds some other guy. And um, the beginning of the story, it's all flashbacks back and forth. So when they're young and the parents are separating because she meets somebody else, the dad is like super bitter and they're both like back and forth at each other. And the girls are put into this, um, uh, you know, like, in court, basically, and pinned against. And the dad's trying to, like, say, you know, I've been the one taking care of them. And the girls are scared to say anything. Obviously. And so Cass decides that she's going to tell the truth and basically tells, like, whatever social worker or whatever court liaison that she wants to live with her dad because she doesn't see things going well when they have to move in with Mr. Martin, her mom's new husband, and his son, Hunter. And they tell the parents this. And so the mom ends up winning custody of them and then basically um, refuses to pretty much like give love to Cass from that point on. Because she found out that... Right. Okay. And so she says, you know, you'll now, um, you won't call me mother. My name is Mrs. Martin to you. So her, so basically Cass called her Mrs. Martin and it basically goes through, you start seeing all of the things that happened in this home, which is now the Martin home and, um, how she pins Emma and Cass against each other and she dotes on Emma, but then they're very similar. So they have a lot of arguments and, they have to say things like, um, you're the best mother in the whole world. You're the prettiest mother in the whole world. And it's just like really horrible things that these girls like developmentally go through that, you know, they don't understand when they're little and um, they only have each other, but then their relationship is really strange, right. you know? And then the stuff with 
um, their mom's new husband and his son. Like, things are really twisty and weird. So basically what happens is um, one night when Cass is 15 and Emmett is 17, both of the girls disappear. And they don't, no one knows what happened to them. Emma's car is uh, found at the beach with her keys in her purse inside the car. Her shoes are found floating in the water. And so there's all this speculation that she committed suicide, that she was abducted. Um, but it's more than likely the theory that she she's deceased. But then they don't know like what happened to Cass. Right. And so they don't know if Cass was with her on the beach or, you know, the stories don't make sense. And then the mother spins this tale that the girls had this big argument and that Emma left, but the Cass was still at the house and she doesn't know where Cass went or what happened. And they were fighting over this necklace and that Cass was always really jealous of Emma. And she basically just... Was she trying to pin it on Cass because she doesn't like Cass? Okay. I don't think so. I think she just, she doesn't know what happened to Cass either. Yeah. So she she loved the attention from the media that they focused in that this poor mother, you know, lost both of her girls on the same night and no one has any clues to what happened. Right. So there were was a forensic psychologist, um, Abigail Winter, that was working on the case at the time when the girls went missing. And then there was an FBI agent who she was close with. And um, she actually grew up in a home where her mother had narcissistic personality disorder. So she's done a ton of research on this. She's written papers on it. And so she sees the signs where other people like don't see what's going on. And so she has already in her head said something wasn't right in that house. Like mm-hmm. I know something was going on in that mother. She has something's those not right there. Right. Yeah. But no one really believed her in the beginning. And then the FBI agent who she was working with, who ended up kind of being a father figure for her was like, if you keep going down this people, your career is going to be ruined. And she just kind of felt that he didn't support her. And, um, that kind of messed her up because she really trusted him throughout the process and thought he would have her back. And he was trying to protect her, but she felt like they did a disservice to the girls. And so it's been three years, no trace. Cass um, walks out of the woods and rings the doorbell (gasps) at her mom's house. Stop. Oh man, this is getting good. Yeah. um, Emma is still not with her. So um, Mrs. Martin opens the door and is doesn't recognize her daughter at first. And then things really start to get kicked off. And they call the FBI back. Like, I feel like we've already had an entire book yeah, no, up to now. And no. you're telling me that things are just getting started. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Wow. So Abby Winter, the doctor, Abigail Winter, um, is called back by the same um, FBI agent and basically says, Cass... Tanner showed up on the doorstep this morning. So she rushes to the scene. They start talking to Cass. They're trying to get, like, they call in the dad to come. He's just a blubbering mess. And Cass goes back and forth in her head from when she's little to now. I mean, like, he's always been a really weak man. He didn't stand up for us. He didn't try to continue on when my mother made threats to him that she was going to ruin his life. He just kind of, like, gave us up. And, um... He just kind of like turned a blind eye about things that were going on with his daughters when they were at the home mm-hmm. with them. And um, 
they she really starts going into stuff about Emma and Emma was pretty vindictive and she was really attractive and pretty and so the mother as much as they were similar and she doted on her more than she did Cass she also didn't like that she was becoming more and more beautiful as like this young adult girl rather than a child and um you could see that over the course of the flashbacks. So basically the tale that Cass tells is that they were both abducted that night and that they were brought to an island and that they've been living this hell on this island with this um, middle-aged married couple that basically said that they would take them in and take care of them and then things started to slowly unravel and there was a boatman who... To, who worked with the couple who took them from the shore to this island and there was no way for them to get off this island and she doesn't know where the island is located and she's like y'all need to help me because Emma's still there on this island oh and so she basically said I was able to escape but Emma couldn't escape because Emma was pregnant when we left <laughs> and her daughter is still there and she couldn't leave her daughter. And basically the whole story is that the people were taking them in and knowing that Emma was pregnant and she felt like she couldn't tell her mom and they, they were going to help her deliver the baby. And then basically Cass says that they then took the baby and like wouldn't let them be around the baby. And so they didn't want to leave or try to fully leave because they were trying to get to take the baby with them when they could leave. So it's like this whole story craziness. So the mom, Mrs. Martin, is is slowly like losing her mind and you don't really know what's going on because things aren't adding up and she just keeps telling all of the, like Dr. Winter and the FBI, like someone needs to evaluate her because she's, something's wrong with her. Like Cass isn't, this isn't making sense. And Abby is piecing together what's going on and she's the only one that can see that one cast isn't telling the truth about everything and that something is still off with Mrs. Martin and she's slowly unraveling and she doesn't really know why. Um, like about the stuff about Emma. Right. And so it's just getting more and more twisty and you don't know what is, what stories are true and what isn't true because some of it's true and it like kind of bleeds together. Um, so anyways, it's just, it, it's, um, it's, sad in some spots but it's really a story um kind of about like revenge and uh I just feel like everything that you've told me so far was a lot and like is there story left yes there's story left yes you you haven't told me everything no I have not because I feel like I've already heard so many no. twists and turns. So, yeah. So, anyways, it, it, it gets really, yeah, it gets really good. And they go into, they delve into stuff. But the stuff about the narcissistic personality disorder was really interesting because they talk about that a lot. Um, yeah, it, it, it was just a really interesting, it was, it was really good. I really liked it. But it, it was definitely twisty. It's not necessarily scary. Just dark. Yeah, just dark. I... I have always, you know, I've always loved true crime and psychological thrillers and all that kind of stuff. But here lately, I've been staying away from that because I never feel satisfied at the end of the books. Like, I never feel like there's a, a good enough ending. Mm-hmm. Um, were you satisfied with the ending? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll give it a, I'll give it a try then. Yep. I definitely was. 
there's so many books where I'm like, oh, this was so good. And then it ended and it just fell apart. <laughs> and I feel like that happens a lot lately. So I haven't been reading as many like thrillers and stuff. It doesn't fall apart. I mean, I definitely think some of the stuff you kind of are, are thinking, okay, did that happen? And then like, not that it's extremely predictable, but some of the stuff I was like, yeah, I could see that. And then that's what it was kind of thing. And I'm okay with, I'm um, okay with that. But, like, um, it makes me feel smart if I, yeah, but <laughs> I didn't, some of the big things, it didn't dawn on me that that's what okay. happened. Okay. Um, and yeah, I thought it ended on a, I thought it ended well. Okay. All right. Well, good. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. Not, ne- not necessarily that everything was like cherry on top, but it ended it was a good ending. So Wendy Walker is the author. When you when you and I first started talking about this book, um, I was thinking Wendy Webb, who writes, I think, kind of supernatural stuff. So okay. that's what I had in my mind. But yeah, I don't think I've ever read anything by Wendy Walker. I haven't either, but she writes psychological thrillers. Okay. Okay, cool. So. Well. Tell me about your book. <laughs> So the book I'm telling you about, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Um, it's Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zebin, who wrote Young Jane Young, um, AJ Fickrey. Have you read any Mm-mm, of these? Okay. No. I loved um, Young Jane Young. I didn't love AJ Fickrey. It's a storied life of AJ Fickrey. But anyway, um, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, <laughs> quite the name, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I started reading it in Spain. I got an advanced um, copy of it from NetGalley. So I got uh, an ebook, not an audiobook, which, you know, it's very rare for me to read an ebook, but I was really excited about this book. Started reading it in Spain, and when I was stuck there by myself, I would just like read it while I was at dinner and stuff like that. And then I finished it on the plane home, and then I was like, I don't know how I feel. So (laughs) I know it's a little weird for me to be telling you about a book that I am kind of like unsure about, unsure about rather than a book that I absolutely love, but I just feel like I need to talk about it. So the two main characters, Sam Maser and Sadie Green, um, let me back up. This is a book about video games. Okay. But it's also a book about people. So the plot is about video games, but everywhere I kept reading, like, it's a book, yes, it's a book about video games, but you don't have to like video games to like this book. It's really a book about people and relationships. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. I do like video games and I like people and relationships. (laughs) This is perfect. Um, I'm one of those people who like, I actually really enjoy video games. And if I let myself play video games, then I would never come out of my house. Like I would just get stuck playing video games. I don't know that I knew yeah. that about oh, you. Oh, man. It's, really? Yeah. And see, I <laughs> don't like them. I, I don't, I don't, I just don't. Um, and again, I haven't played a ton of them. And growing up, we never had like all the equipment and, we did. and stuff. We had all the consoles. So it was only at other people's homes, like friends' homes where they had older brothers yeah. that really played and stuff like that. And I just was really terrible at the few things that I did play. <laughs> and so just after a while, I was like, this isn't any fun. I just die within the first few minutes. <laughs> uh, I, and those were like the 007 type ones. And I like can that. just get sucked into them for hours. And like it's four o'clock in the morning and I don't realize. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not allowed to play video games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
But anyway, so I was really excited about this book because I do love video games. Um, so let me give you a little bit of the premise and then I'll explain um, my love-hate relationship with it. So Sam Maser and Sadie Green, our two main characters, meet in the hospital. Sam has just been in a terrible accident. Um, his, his foot is completely crushed. Um, he's had to have a ton of surgeries. Sadie Green is at the hospital visiting her sister who has cancer. And she was, she was with her sister. They're both young. I mean, at this point, I think they're like 12 maybe. So they're both pretty young. She was in her sister's room and they got in a big fight and Sadie left and started like wandering the halls of the hospital. And the nurse says, well, why don't you go in our gaming room? There's nobody in there. There's a Nintendo 64 in there. You know, you can just go play. So she goes in there, um, but there is someone else in there. Sam Maser, and he apparently hadn't spoken to anyone for months after his accident. He had been in the hospital. He wouldn't say a word until Sadie Green showed up, and he starts talking to her, and they're talking about games, and they're playing games, but he's finally talking, and this is a huge deal, so the nurse is like, do you want to come back, like, every day, because he hasn't spoken, and now he's speaking? She's like, yeah, sure, so they become friends. Are they the same age? They're yeah, I think around. Yeah, they're around the same okay. age. I think Sam is maybe a year older, but they're around the same age. Um, and they become best friends. And Sadie goes back every single day, and um, they play games and they just hang out and have a good time together. Then they get into a huge fight, and Sam refuses to talk to Sadie. Sadie doesn't know what's going on. I'm not going to tell you. I could. But I'm not going to. Okay. They get into a big fight. They don't talk for years. Okay. Then they're both in college. Sadie is, by the way, this was in Los Angeles. They were, they started out in Los Angeles. Um, Sadie is at MIT and Sam is at Harvard. So they're both in the same city in Boston again. And they run into each other at the uh, metro station or the subway station or whatever they have in Boston. And they start talking again. And they become friends again. And Sam convinces Sadie that they should make a video game together. Okay. Sadie is actually in school for gaming. She's learning to be a video game maker. And Sam is in school for something that he's not passionate about, like statistics or something like that. And he's just doing it because he's good at it and whatever. And he's like, Sadie, we ran into each other. Things happened in the past. It is what it is but we should really make a video game together. I think we will be good at it. And so they do. They spend lots of days and nights devoted to making this video game. Um, They both take a semester off school for it, and they make it, and it goes viral, and everyone loves it, and it's amazing. So they start a video game company together. They create more games. They do more stuff. They fight more quit talking to each other, make up, quit talking to each other. And that goes back and forth through the entire novel, this whole theme of the two of them being best friends and then hating each other. Um, I loved the video game aspect of it. That part was really enjoyable for me, whereas I think most people are just like, eh, that was just part of the background, you know, whatever. But they go into detail about how they make the games and the, the video game engines that they have to create and the graphics and all this stuff that I found fascinating personally. Um, 
the thing that has me torn about this book is their relationship and how broken they both were that they could go years without speaking to each other even though they loved each other so much. And it just really... I, I couldn't... I couldn't be okay with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It really bothered me that they would do that to each other. Yeah, it was they so didn't have hard the, to read. The tools to just talk it out or, yes. or communicate and, and so properly. that's another thing is one of my biggest pet peeves in books is when people just don't talk to each other and that's where the conflict arises. I'm like, come up with something better than that than people just not talking to each other and and so I guess that's a lot of what this book was was the two of them just not talking to each other and working it out and it made me so angry and so for that reason I was like I can't this book I can't oh but then the rest of it the part that I think most people would just throw away and not care about is what I loved. loved yeah and um there was a lot of Shakespeare thrown in, which is actually where the name comes from, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. That's from one of his plays. I can't remember which one, but they talk a lot about Shakespeare and Shakespeare's plays. And one of the games actually centers around um, Shakespeare's life and finding out who killed Christopher Marlowe. And there's um, one of the main characters uh, is an actor and he is, plays a, a part in Hamlet and Macbeth and... So I really enjoyed the Shakespeare aspect of it too because I love Shakespeare. Um, I love kind of the mystery surrounding Shakespeare. I think his work was brilliant and whatever. So it was like, that was so cool and so fun to read. And then I just would get so angry at the characters. (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. Like I totally get that because that also irritates me, you know, when the reason that they get in an argument and then they can't talk talk it out and it's years and you're just – and then if if it continued – like it was generally most of them and on and off they don't talk and then they come back together and then yeah it's not (laughs) it was back and forth and and that would drive me back and forth it did like i don't know based on your description that i want to read it yeah i'm not necessarily so here's the thing it has like i know it's not out yet it comes out july 5th um so the the rating on Goodreads is obviously going to change drastically, but right now it has a four point three eight stars on Goodreads. Um, Anne Bogle loved it. Annie B. Jones, the owner of the bookshelf in Thomasville, Georgia, loved it. Like all these people that are getting advanced copies and reading okay. it, they're like, "Oh my god, I loved it. It was so good." And so I'm like, "What am I missing? What's wrong with me that I didn't <laughs> enjoy <laughs> this book that everyone else seems to love?" You know. Mm-hmm. and it's I loved it and I hated it so I gave it three stars because it's like there's some things that I love and some things that I hated and just to meet and I just had to meet in the middle because yeah oh uh, yeah uh, it's a very love-hate relationship with this book and I'm also wondering I may go back and re read it on audio yeah. and see if that changes yeah. my experience right because that's I was going to ask you that. That was my next question. I don't. Do you think that I'm very curious who the audiobook narrator will be because that can obviously make it or break it, and yeah, that could absolutely change my enjoyment of the book. Hopefully, it will for the better. So, if you do that, will you let me know if it changes? Yeah. Your mind? Oh, absolutely. And then I'll decide if I want, when it comes out if that's something that I and I may just I may try it. Yeah. Audiobook just give it see. a shot. Again, I I, I don't have any 
interest necessarily in video games, but um, if you're saying for people that you don't need that and it's really about the characters, then maybe I would really like it. Yeah. And and the thing is, I'm okay with reading damaged characters. I loved uh, A Little Life by Yana Hanagahara. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, which is all about damaged characters. I thought that book was beautiful and amazing. But this book in particular, they just annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll see. I'm hopeful that the audiobook will change, change your mind. my opinion. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, so whenever I was stuck in Spain, I was texting Caddy. Caddy. Oh, my God. I was going to say Caddy and Ari. Addie and Carrie every day. <laughs> and I was texting like, day one of imprisonment. I went, <laughs> I went to this park and I did this and whatever. And I was updating them on like what I was reading. And so at one point I was like, day, day two of imprisonment, went to this house and I was listening to Weather Girl and reading the ebook of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And Addie texted back and she was like, you're reading with your eyes. This must be serious. <laughs> I was like, this is a very serious situation. I am imprisoned on another continent. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But it was my only option, and I was really excited about the book because I loved Young Jane Young. I loved the premise. I loved the author. You know, there were so many – it had so many things going for it. And it let me down. It let me down, Marissa. Only the e-book. Only the e-book. We'll see. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. So. (laughs) That is my – um, take it or leave it. You know, that's my, that's my thoughts on tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I really do want to hear what other people think of the book. Like, I really, really want to talk about this one. Yeah, so tell if us anyone else comments. has read let it. Let us know what your thoughts are. Please let me know. I did, whenever I told Carrie and Addie, I was like, I just finished this book. I need to discuss it with someone. Addie was like, let me put you in touch with my best friend who also just finished reading this book. So I was able to discuss oh, it with Elizabeth. Oh, that's really cool. Elizabeth, but, um, I, I, want to talk about it with more people um and see you know because i feel like i was missing something so see what see what i was missing well do we want to discuss our tea we should do that guess who forgot the tin on the counter you who does it every single time you that is me i mean it's not solely your responsibility yeah you you're right you should have thought of that (laughs) I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> I'm back with the tin. Have you tasted it yet? I have. Okay. Oh, that doesn't sound promising. <laughs> Let me taste it. All right. This is summer afternoon tea by, you guessed it, our favorite and yours, Hardy and Sons. <laughs> Um, delight in the pleasures of a summer afternoon in a timeless garden. Ingredients are green tea, lemon peel, verbena, marigold, petals, cornflowers, natural grapefruit flavor, and natural honey flavor. Um, I don't taste any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to throw it out there. I taste none of those things. If someone told me to name this tea summer... An afternoon wouldn't would not come into play. It's not a bad tea. I just don't really taste anything. It's just like a tea. I find it very flowery. Do you? I'm so you don't find you don't get flowers. Um, 
I've got Shakespeare on the mind, so I really want to say, shall I compare thee to a summer afternoon? Still See, not getting it. Doesn't it doesn't even taste like green tea to me. It tastes like a black tea, like a black breakfast tea. Did you get a different tea bag than me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it, I have no idea. I don't know. Is this what yours looks like? Yep. 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 And you think it tastes like black breakfast tea? I do. And and I pretty much drank the whole thing, so. It's not a bad tea. I just don't. (laughs) I was thinking it was going to be a little bit more um, light and, I don't know, Summer afternoon, like I, I was just picturing like in a garden because I read the description before we drink it, and I, I'm not getting those things. I think you had a different tea bag. I'm tasting flowers and um, grapefruit. I don't know about grapefruit. It tastes like summer to me. Oh my gosh! Taste mine. I don't have COVID. <laughs> it tastes like mine. What? <laughs> and it tastes like. Hot water and breakfast tea. This is so weird. Sorry. I don't love it. I don't have that's any. That's okay. I don't have any interest in having another cup. Well, that's fine. It's not bad. It's I, just not what it was described to be. I like it. I find it to taste like a summer afternoon. And I what don't know. What summer afternoon? Where? <laughs> where is the summer afternoon located? Williamsburg. Is that the summer afternoon that you're having with this tea? I don't know. It says, Are you it says Williamsburg on Are the tin. Are you transported to Williamsburg? I am. I feel like I'm in old town. Williamsburg. Williamsburg. Well. That's how I feel. There's also a quote on, on the tin. Would you like for me to read that? Please. The, this tea was a colonial Williamsburg tea. I didn't just make that up. Yeah. This anyway. might change my mind. <laughs> just joking. Not really. <laughs> Anyway, um, this is the quote. Summer afternoon. To me, those have always been the two most beautiful words in the English language. And that quote is from Henry James. Kind of a lame quote. But yeah, totally. That lame. is the name of the tea. It says, it is a pretty tin. I love the tin. It's a, t- a pretty the tin. tin's really pretty. It says, these garden images are drawn from 18th century botanical illustrations in our archives. They represent native Virginia flowers found in Colonial Williamsburg's carefully tended historic gardens. Now, try to reimagine yourself in Colonial Williamsburg. Without many options In a for garden. Tea. Sure. This is the only tea you can have. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is delightful. Isn't it, though? You're crazy. (laughs) On that floral note that you don't think is floral, shall we call it a day? (laughs) Yes, I think we need to go enjoy the summer afternoon outside. And And listen to the birds chirping. And the sun beating down on our faces. And admire the verbena. In the gardens. And the butterflies and the bees pollinating around the garden. You're done. (laughs) I'm done. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes for the full list of books we discussed today. You can find that in your podcast app or on our website, inkdrinkerspodcast.com. And please support us by subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts and leaving a review. 
You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at Ink Drinkers Pod. Cheers. Cheers.